Blog Talk Radio. Incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When 
you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We hope you had a wonderful weekend, a Memorial Day weekend with family and friends, and we hope you took a a moment out of your uh, enjoyable weekend to um, reflect on why we were celebrating a long weekend. As you see many of the posts, that it's not about hot dogs and hamburgers or a barbecue, but to honor um, our fallen who have uh, given us the opportunity to enjoy that barbecue uh, in peace over the weekend. So we do hope you had a wonderful weekend. Today is a a new week. It is Tuesday, May 27th, and we're glad you could join us today. We have a very timely topic today with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. We're talking about really kind of keeping your your chickens calm, cool, and collected over uh, over the summer with this summer heat that a lot of people around the country are already dealing with. Uh, I saw many posts on our Facebook page of people that are posting, it's going to be all 90 this week, and it's going to be 47 tonight and 90 tomorrow. Is that that fluctuation in temperature bad for for my chickens and and some other questions like that? So uh, I know uh, people around the country are already starting to deal with this, and uh, it's going to be probably a long, hot summer, and people are... uh, equating that to the, the, the long, cold winter that we had. We're probably due for a, a tough summer. So uh, we need to know about keeping our, our backyard birds um, 
healthy throughout the winter and, and try to continue to get them uh, to, to lay through the uh, through the summertime. Did I say just say winter <laughs> through the, through the summertime, and uh, we know that summer heat is far more detrimental to our chickens than the winter cold ever will be. Um, we know that uh, for for a fact. Um, yet it's interesting when 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 winter rolls around, people are are, are chomping at the bit to, to put a heater in their coop, and they immediately go to the dangerous uh, heat sources like a uh, a brooder lamp or a, a heat lamp, and we see many times the coops that are destroyed and the chickens are killed because of that, and neighbors' homes that are caught on fire. That I've noticed over years over the years that they're quick in the winter. To, to want to put a heater in their coop, um, which in, in, in most all cases is is not necessary. Um, but when when somebody talks about summer coming, you don't see the mass hysteria and people running out wanting to put air conditioners in their coops. But to be honest, you know, knowing that heat is far more detrimental to chickens uh, than than the winter cold ever will be. Uh, you could almost justify the air conditioner coop and uh, the coop long before you could justify a heater in the coop, but it doesn't work that way. It's interesting. Uh, heaters in the coops, everybody's running out to do that, but air conditioner coops, not so much. But um, not that we advocate that, but at the same time, I could probably justify it a little bit better. Um, but we know that chickens don't spend a lot of time in the coop uh, during the day. Anyway, they're out, they're taking dust baths, they're hanging out in the shade, they're scratching around for bugs and and uh, and food and things like that. And uh, so, so uh, you know, having an air conditioner in a coop during the hot part of the day when they're not even in there may not uh, may not even be wor- worthwhile. So we'll talk about today other ways you can uh, keep your chickens comfortable throughout the winter. Uh, you know, little tricks about keeping the water cool for them, and that, that's uh, most importance. Um, we know that they'll eat less in the summer and drink more in the summer. Um, we know that as that temperature of the water uh, approaches the internal temperature of the chicken, they're going to probably flat out refuse to drink it or not drink it near as much as they need, which can be detrimental to your chickens. How to keep that water cool other than just keeping it in the shade. Um, for an example, if you've got a three or five gallon uh, chicken waterer, you can freeze 20 ounce bottles of water and drop in there before you head to work in the, in the morning. That will try to keep uh, and assist the water from from staying cool throughout the day, and um, which is very important. And having that, that water available to them all the time is very important. So, so um, uh, just different tips. We're going to talk about vitamins and electrolytes, and how to give, and, and when to give, and why to give that to them, and, and can we overdo that? Can we give them too much of that? That can be uh, um, um, equally as is bad for their health. So we're going to talk about that. We've got Peter Brown here, the chicken doctor. Let's go ahead and give him a big chicken whisperer welcome. And we're going to bring him live right now. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy. I know it's probably going to get close to 90 here in Atlanta today, and I know down in Florida, I was talking to my aunt, it's going to be equally as warm and all across the country. It's tis the season, so I know people are, are already talking about, oh, I'm giving mine frozen watermelon, and and, and frozen melon, and, and I'm doing this with the water and things like that. And oh, it's time to start the vitamins and electrolytes. And people are getting geared up. Our summer issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine should be out here in the next, uh, really in the next week. So uh, it's uh, it'll be a lot of it reflected on on keeping your chickens healthy through the summer months. But we've got a show today dedicated to that, and so we want to go ahead and get started and and try to uh, suck some of that knowledge out of out of your brain, Peter, about what we can do. To uh, help our chickens over the next few months. Yeah, you know, I, I listened to your to your intro, and uh, <clears throat> it's uh, right on the money. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, Thank you. Well, I mean, I, I see it the same way too. Uh, you know, uh, um, there was a, a huge movement uh, during the uh, the winter months to uh, uh, move towards some sort of heat device, and I don't need to get into the middle of one versus another. Yeah. People figure it out for themselves, but <clears throat> uh, the if they would only realize that you know the, the birds are much more tolerant, certainly. You know, you you get uh, real cold temperatures. You start getting frozen combs, and uh, if birds are uh, uh, out and about on the ground, and and uh, the ground's frozen, and you know you can get frozen toes, frozen foot pads, and, and those kinds of things. But you can take some pretty simple steps to take care of that. The heat's a little bit different. Uh, the heat uh, birds just don't tolerate it well at all, and um, probably part of the reason for that is that uh, you can. Uh, you can lower the bird's core body temperature um, over 30 degrees before you start to see uh, some uh, signs of mortality or pending mortality. Uh, it's not so with with the uh, uh, raising the core body temperature of the bird. Um, depending on the size of the bird, uh, depending on, on a, a number of factors, um, uh, how much feed they're digesting at the time, temperatures are taken, this, that, and the other. Uh, you look at anywhere between 104, 107 degrees, uh, you know, body temperature. So <clears throat> when the temperature outside is, uh, like it's 90 here today right now as we're speaking, I just checked the temperature. And uh, the, the, the little caveat that we have here is the stinking humidity to go with it. So it's not only hot, it's a choking hot. And uh, the birds feel that the same the same way. But when you start adding the adding the temperature to to that from the outside, it makes it very very difficult for them to cool off. So the upper limit where you start to see mortality is much much narrower than it is <clears throat> if for birds that are, are on the cold side. So um, I think if people would get their arms around that, get that understanding. Uh, let's, for argument's sake, you go out and take uh, temperatures on your flock today, and they're all, every one of them, all 15, 20 birds you got, they're all 107 degrees. You only need a six degree rise in body temperature before mortality starts to set in. That's a big mm-hmm. difference. That is a right. huge difference. You know, so if you, those same 107 temperature, body temperature birds, uh, you flip that around and start lowering the temperature outside, and you start lowering their core body temperature. Um, you know, if 70, uh, which is right around the beginning, you might see some mortality before that or certainly morbidity where birds are, are uh, you know, one foot in the grave, the other on a banana peel. But uh, you've still got a huge uh, uh, window of opportunity there. You know, if you're talking about 37-degree spread. Uh, if we had that on the, on, the, uh, on, the, on the upper side, on the heat side, it, it wouldn't matter. It would be a big deal. But we don't, and we don't have that temperature. You know, if the bird's temperature got up to 137, you know, 130 degrees, that would be great if they could tolerate it, but they can't. It's only that small, 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 small window of opportunity, and that's what you have to be careful for, and I think that's where people don't understand the difference between the two. They understand freezing, and they understand, I think, the freezing for themselves. You go outside on a bitter cold day, it's cold. You don't right. like it, and you know your birds don't like it. Uh, but you know, on a on a warm day, you go, oh, okay, it's hot. And I got a couple on, you know, and you put your best face on. You go a couple on, you know, and uh, maybe you come back after that and have your favorite beverage or whatever it is after you finish cutting the lawn. Maybe you do it while you're cutting the lawn and zigzag around the lawn. Who knows? But 
you know that you don't have that opportunity with with the birds to have a great degree of latitude on the upper end where we have that great degree of latitude on the lower end so it would behoove you to to make some adjustments to what you do during the day uh, and there are a whole lot of things you can do most of them pretty simple and don't cost any money at all some cost a little bit more money than others uh, um, you mentioned the uh, air conditioning uh, uh, we do that here when it's necessary and uh, we we watch the uh, uh, the coop temperature. Um, uh, we don't close everything up at night until very late, and then we, before we head to the to the hay ourselves, we go out and take a look and see uh, what kind of temperature we've got in there. We've got you know a big fan in the ceiling that moves a lot of air, and another one in the side wall that moves a lot of air, so we can keep the air moving. But um, if we go out at 11 o'clock or so, and that temperature in there is you know uh, well above 80 degrees, and it's you know, really humid, let's we'll close everything up and throw the air conditioner on. We're not trying to bring it down to 32 degrees. We're just trying to bring that down to a nice, comfortable 80, 82 degrees where everybody's happy, they can breathe normal, they're not panting, they're not, they don't have their wings hanging down and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you have to do it. Um, um, you know, we can go out and, you know, turn them loose at 7.30 or so in the morning, so you're only looking about maybe eight hours and you're not looking at something that's going to run, uh, you know, mm-hmm crazy all night long so that's what we do here and we don't do it all the time you know the fan runs more than anything the uh the fan is is on in, in there in the coop now even though there are no birds and i want to keep the air circulating i don't want to you know we've got a few birds in there that don't go outside but for the most part we want air circulating so the first thing that i would do and i would suggest to everybody that is interested in in the uh, overall uh, welfare of their birds during this hot weather is to move some air you know, mm-hmm. get a fan. Walmart's got some real cheap box fans on sale for 18 bucks. Uh, yep. So, you know, it's, it's not a it's not a, a thing where, you know, a break the bank. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, cold water. Uh, I'll tell you this. As the temperature of the water that a bird is consuming starts to reach its body temperature, they back away from it. They drink less. And as the, the temperature of that water gets up real close to their body temperature, they'll stop drinking it altogether. It just, it just, it just won't do it. Uh, now, there, there may be some exceptions to the rule. People say, well, you know, my birds drink hot water, cold water. Okay. It does happen, but the majority of birds are not going to drink it. They're going to back away from it. So there are a lot of things you can do uh, during extreme heat here. Uh, I do have some uh, uh, some ice packs that are um, uh, encased in plastic, and they're, they're quite large. They weigh about four pounds apiece. They're nine inches long, uh, the rectangular four by three by nine, and um, fit nice inside a three or four gallon water jug and keep the water cool all day long. And um, you know, you just rinse it back off, throw it back in the freezer overnight. And, you know, we use multiple ones here, and uh, so you know, when we only do that when it really gets hot. Otherwise, I mean, I was just out there before the before the show started, just checking on everybody and. Uh, we we do have one new hatch hatchling out there. We got one new Nankin chick that did hatch. Uh, surprise, surprise! And um, so we want to check on 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 that that bird with with the mom because they're inside and uh, uh, you know everything's fine. No no wings spread. Nobody panting. Uh, everybody outside in the little places where they like to hang out. But we got plenty of fresh water for them inside, outside, everywhere. So um, you know, cold water. The colder the better. Um, birds, whether you believe it or not, uh, will take water that's right down to 33, 34 degrees and drink it readily. 
whereas uh, as the water gets <coughs> warmer and goes to the other spectrum on the uh, temperature scale, they're going to drink you know, less and less. Um, provide shade in any way you can. And uh, that means uh, a piece of plywood leaning up against a, a, the, uh, the enclosure mm -hmm. so that they can get behind it. Uh, maybe you could put a fan on low there, because sometimes you put a fan on too high. They don't like that either, believe it or not. But you can put a fan behind that and push some air through that uh, particular spot. And, uh, you know, you'd be surprised. Birds would come right to and hang out there and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, so it really, you can use almost anything. Uh, I know uh, around here for uh, commercial chicken houses where uh, they've got curtains on one side of the house and they don't let them down anymore, but they'll still put up some uh, some. Uh, Burlap, run it down the side of the house, and, and if their <clears throat> if their housing is, is such that uh, that's going to be on on that the sun is going to be predominantly on that side of the house to, to keep the shade uh, as best they can you know around the house because a lot of these chicken houses are right out in the middle of open fields. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you can get a swamp cooler effect. You can take that same burlap and you can put it in front of the fan and hang it. Um, you can um, you know you can make all kinds of of uh, of, of little things for it. You can put a little water trough above it where it'll wick the water down um, and blow that across where the birds are and get a eva evaporative cooling effect. Uh, there are just so many things that you can do uh, to to help yourself. For, in my opinion, cold or hot, there shouldn't be a bird anywhere that dies for any reason. Uh, that's just the way I approach it because yeah, you, you can do so many things. And again, uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money to do this. Uh, um, just... Uh, um, you know, making some some shade and and, and getting the birds uh, uh, some nice cold water. And for those that that work, I heard you mention that. Uh, you know, it's a it's a great thing to you know get a, a one liter bottle, fill it up with water, freeze it, throw it in there on your way to work in the morning before you leave the house. Uh, mm -hmm. Certainly, something is better than nothing. I'm a big fan of that. I hear people, well, I couldn't do this, couldn't do that. Yeah, but you could have done something. You know. And uh, the other thing you want to try to do is. Uh, and this is an important one because um, expending body uh, energy uh, creates heat. And uh, that is to decrease the bird's activity level. So if you've got a bad actor in the coop who's chasing everybody around, uh, maybe you want to give him a timeout for a while somewhere, you know, and, and then uh, put him by himself for the day when it's so stinking hot out and everything else. Because he's chasing everybody else around, he's making everybody else miserable, uh, you know, and they start that panting and, and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, you know, you might want to you might want to do that. Um, there's a study I read a while back, uh, and I thought this was an interesting thing. There's a big movement uh, afoot to go to these um, um, nipple drinkers uh, or a more enclosed type uh, drinker. And uh, what the research shows is that uh, while these drinkers are uh, relatively adequate uh, for uh, these purposes during the uh, uh, warm weather. Uh, they increase the bird's activity level dramatically. And um, the amount of water consumed uh, at each uh, time a bird goes to the nipple is about at least five times less than they would if they were going to a regular uh, three, four, five-gallon water or a watering trough or a uh, automatic uh, water cup type of situation where the water flow is a lot more. So a bird <coughs> will stand there and, and get a better drink of water um, if they're not around the, the nipple drinkers. doesn't mean it's not good because I get a zillion people 
telling me that you know that they're they're sufficient and they're fine. And the other thing about these these uh, nipple drinks is that when you're when you're thinking about this, um, uh, nipple drinkers are uh, in the, in the real world. You know, when I say the real world in the commercial poultry industry, um, they don't use a lot of the junk you see on the internet. A lot of those red ones, they don't even they don't even come close. They're all designed for a specific uh, type of bird, uh, broilers, uh, roasters, which are bigger birds, uh, your, your uh, smaller layers, your leghorns, your light breeds, your heavy breeds, uh, turkeys, all those have a, a much different uh, water flow because they require a, a, a increased uh, level of water uh, you know, during the day uh, for eating purposes and so on. And so uh, you know, a lot of these uh, ones that you see, yeah, they're cheap, but they're not uh, they're not really adequate enough uh, for uh, the type of situation you have in, in the heat of the day when a bird is out there. So you might want to think, if you have nipple drinkers, you might want to put out some more drinkers uh, that uh, of the three, four, five-gallon variety during this period of time. Then go back to your nipple drinkers once the, the uh, temperature uh, levels off a little bit. Uh, you mentioned vitamins uh, and electrolytes and, and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, those are things that I, I would use uh, on a regular basis during the, the heat period, but I would knock it off uh, once the heat subsides and gets back down to some reasonable uh, level. Uh, too much uh, vitamins is not, not, uh, not good for birds. Uh, the electrolyte portion of it, part of it's sodium, so too much sodium uh, is, is not good either. Uh, but during the, during the cold, uh, the, the warm weather rather, uh, they're going to drink it, and they're going to take in these electrolytes, and they're going to excrete out a fair amount of it. And they need the sodium at that point to uh, to uh, have some water retention because of the fact, obviously, that birds don't sweat like humans do. And uh, during that period of time when they're breathing, uh, they are losing uh, uh, water because that's the way they, they uh, one of the ways they control their their, their body temperature. So. Um, Vitamins, electrolytes added to the water on a daily basis is a good thing. Uh, uh, you want to use the um, swamp cooler effect of a fan with some uh, burlap uh, or even a mist of water uh, being sprayed in front of that. Um, you want to use the cold water. You want to uh, use fans to move air uh, in any way, shape, form that you can. Uh, for those folks whose birds are indoor and don't go out at all, and we do have some people that... Uh, that have those kinds of situations. Uh, there are some things you can do. Again, move some air. Um, you can choose to uh, uh, use a dehumidifier to pull the uh, humidity out and make it easier for the birds to, to breathe. Uh, so you can, you can do that. You can also uh, run some water over the top of the roof, roof sprinkler, to bring the inside temperature down. Don't forget heat rises, cold air falls. So the heat is going to be in the upper part of, of the building. Um, you could uh, limit the roosting area of the birds, if possible, to the lower levels rather than up high, uh, and get them down closer to the ground where the air temperature is going to be uh, cooler rather than uh, rather than hotter. Um, you can also add uh, vitamin C to the drinking water, and um, you can find some ester C, which is a better vitamin C, uh, and add that to their water. That would help as well. It helps bring down their body temperature. Um, some of the other things, you can add sodium bicarbonate uh, at the rate of about 4 grams per gallon of water. That's um, uh, widely used uh, throughout the, the poultry industry worldwide, uh, as is uh, ordinary aspirin. And um, you can take uh, 
ordinary aspirin, crush it up, and uh, uh, that'll help bring down the internal body temperature as well. And uh, about 340 to 350 milligrams per gallon of water uh, make that solution fresh every day, and that should help uh, you know bring down the the, the overall body temperature uh, of the birds. Uh, and um, again, you want to in- decrease the activity level. Um, you want to increase the shade. Uh, and we're, we're lucky here. We have a lot of tall pine trees. We get um, uh, a fair amount of sunlight, but it uh, doesn't seem to be where uh, the sunlight is beating directly down on any one particular spot for any great length of time during the day. So it's more diffused because of the trees. Um, but uh, we have areas for them to go to, go to as well for, for those types of things. Uh, as far as... Um, Swamp coolers and that kind of stuff, I do have a um, do-it-yourself artist rendition of what one might look like, and then you could take it from there yourself, and uh, uh, this would be using some copper coils attached to the front of a fan with a small pump, moving some air through that from a cooler that has uh, uh, some water in it um, that has some ice in it, and the, the cool water moving through uh, the uh, copper coils or whatever coil you want to put on the front of it. it doesn't necessarily even have to be in the shape of a coil. Uh, anything you want to run across there that the air, water can circulate and then circulate the air over top of that uh, uh, cool water going through those uh, pipes uh, will also give you a, uh, a swamp cooler type of an effect and, and bring the air temperature down around uh, where the birds would, would be. Um, you know, you're, don't wait until there's a crisis on your hands. Try to be proactive and, and uh, uh, you know, get after this thing before it gets out of hand. Um, when you've got birds who are panting uh, and, and, and panting uh, quite a bit, uh, I mean, when you observe those birds, you'll see that they are panting left and right. In other words, there is no stopping really for a, a normal breath. It's a constant pant. Uh, they start to droop their wings and get their wings away from their body. You've got some birds that are in crisis, and you need to uh, alleviate that problem just as quickly as you can. <clears throat> a couple of ways to do that <clears throat> is to uh, cool the bird down from the inside out. Um, putting a bird in a cold uh, water bath is certainly one way, but you're trying to do that from the outside in. Uh, it's a lot better if you have a bird who is in uh, uh heat distress like that and you uh, uh, fear for that bird's well-being, uh, you certainly could take some uh, uh, cool water and uh, lavage it down its throat and um, uh, fill the crop up with uh, nice cool water and the, and the bird will start to uh, bring its body temperature down. You could also use the, the, the bath as well, but a, a lot quicker to bring that body temperature down. Same thing if the bird were, if this were wintertime, you would uh, take warm water and gavage that down the bird's throat to bring the core body temperature back up. So you just reverse it this way and and use the uh, use the, uh, uh, the the cold water. You could add aspirin to that water, just make it up to 340 milligrams per gallon, uh, and and do it that way. And that would all, all of those things would help bring that body temperature down just as quickly as you could get it down. Uh, but uh, my advice to you is not to let it get to that situation where you've got to uh, take those kinds of steps to do it. But if you have to, you have to. And um, I see it a lot of times with the uh, <clears throat> with the large breeds, your Brahmas and your Jersey Giants and uh, Langshans and that kind of bird. Um, and the heavier they are, the, the worse it gets. 
so you just be on the on the lookout, you know, for all of those uh, those issues. And again, um, can't say it enough: uh, move air, uh, provide shade, uh, use the sodium bicarb if you have to, use the aspirin if you have to. Certainly, uh, do the shade thing uh, in any way you can. A piece of plywood uh, doesn't really matter how you put it up; it's going to be temporary. Uh, even putting up a piece of burlap, attach it to your coop and pull it out and put a couple of stakes out in the ground and uh, almost like a tent type situation and you can uh, get the birds to go under that and you can wet it, you can put uh, um, a fan at one end that's blowing lightly across the birds uh, to bring the temperature down. <clears throat> one of the other things that I would consider doing um, is to um, to help prevent these things is to uh, take up all the feeders uh, and uh, only feed in the very early morning. And uh, give or take, takes about three to four hours, depending on the coarseness of the feed, how much fiber is in it, uh, for the feed that you're feeding to get through the bird's digestive system. Uh, that's also predicated on how much water they're drinking. And um, so I would probably try to feed them their, fit, their complete feed early in the morning uh, and then maybe only provide a small amount of scratch grains just uh, uh, given right to them. Don't make them work for it. It's not, this is not a time to be out there having them scratch around the dirt. Uh, so we're trying to limit the amount of activity they have, but we're also trying to limit the amount of body heat that they have. So when birds eat, they turn that feed into energy. The energy turns into to, to a degree into heat, and so you can have birds that uh, inadvertently will uh, end up with heat prostration uh, because they're eating and, and, and that kind of thing. As a general rule, most birds are going to back away from it once the temperature gets above 90 degrees. Um, but you're still better off to feed them early in the morning than I'd feed them again uh, you know, uh, later in the day as the sun starts to set and uh, let them have all they want then uh, and, uh, before they uh, hit the roost and, and go, to, go to sleep. Because uh, that's also good for them, uh, that last feeding for, for those birds who are uh, in egg production. Uh, it, it will most likely not interfere with shell uh, strength, uh, but birds that don't eat properly prior to going to, uh, to roost or going to nest uh, usually have eggshell problems. Uh, bear in mind that uh, most of the eggshells are being put down while the bird's sleeping, so having the calcium and all the vitamins and minerals that are necessary uh, to put down a proper eggshell, um, you know, are, you know, are needed, and if the bird isn't eating properly prior to uh, going to roost, uh, you could run into some of those problems. Uh, you almost can't get around the uh, watery albumin type thing uh, in this in the um, uh, warm weather like this when birds are consuming a lot of uh, a lot of water, um, and that's just part of the game of, of raising chickens, uh, whether they be commercial or your backyard type. Uh, so you may see some egg quality uh, issues as far as the um, uh, the, uh, the consistency and the viscosity of the albumin. Uh, which is the white part of the egg. Um, younger birds have less trouble with it. Older birds are going to have more trouble with it as a general rule. So you want to try to you know, keep all of those things in mind. You want to, again, I'll go back through it. You want to move some air, cold water, aspirin if you need it, 340 milligrams per gallon of water, sodium bicarb added at the rate of 4 grams per gallon of water. Provide shade any way you can. Uh, make your own, uh, lean to, anything. Uh, piece of burlap, uh, old feed bags uh, that are nailed together on a piece of uh, stick or whatever. It really doesn't matter. 
the main thing is to get the birds comfortable. Uh, if you're up for making a swamp cooler, make your own. Uh, if you want the uh, free artist rendition that I had an artist do for me, um, mm -hmm. then uh, you can just email me at chickendr at firstaidvetsupply.com. It doesn't cost you anything, just the time it takes to, to do the email. So it's free. We do it every year. Uh, we give that away uh, as, a, as a service to everyone. Hang on. Yep. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. And uh, again, you want to yeah, be. No, go ahead. I just have a couple of questions, but I want you to finish that. You're yeah, going I just want to run back through it, and if you got any disease, questions, so go ahead. Yeah, uh, feed early in the morning uh, or late in the evening. Uh, not very much during the day. Try to put out plenty of fresh water during that time. Uh, decrease the bird's activity level, uh, and part of that decrease in their activity level can be moving away from um, from nipple drinkers during the the, uh, the extreme heat and going to a a water jug of a, you know, whatever capacity you have on hand or whatever you've used used in the past. And the reason for that is the bird's going to get up and they're going to drink from from it and they're going to drink a lot of water from the other, whereas the nipple drinker, they've got to work for it a little bit, and they have a tendency to, to drink and then walk away, and then a few minutes later they come back again where the bird that has uh, consumed water uh, from a, a normal uh, drinking fountain uh, has a tendency to drink and then go sit down and stay there. And they, um, and they drink more water at, at one uh, sitting, does the bird, uh, with the, the nipple drinker. So just and it, it's not a knock against nipple drinkers. It's just the way it is. And it's an attempt to decrease the activity level of the birds to keep their body temperature down. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I didn't mention is that you could fog the birds with a fine uh, spray of, of, of cold water. Uh, you can do that in any wet number of ways. Um, uh, these little fine um, sprinklers that you see in, in, uh, in gardens for uh, watering uh, flowers, uh, you could use a piece of uh, soaker hose where the water comes out in a real, real fine mist. Uh, the thing that you've got to watch there is you don't let the ground get so uh, wet that it causes problems with coccidiosis or other issues uh, where water is allowed to pool. So you might want to take something like that and move it around, put it in the shade uh, and that kind of thing, and put it up high enough so that when the water comes down, it's evaporating at bird level and creates an actual, it can actually drop the temperature 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 degrees right at bird level. So it's, it's a good... Um, economical way uh, to do that. You can do it with fogging devices. There's all kinds of methods. Uh, we used to sell some things to do it. We don't sell them anymore. Uh, got more of a pain in the neck. You can add vitamins <laughs> electrolytes to the water. Um, sometimes when things aren't your gig, you just don't do it. It isn't worth it, you know? And, and yeah, yep. It just isn't. And uh, But um, uh, add vitamins electrolytes to the, to the drinking water um, on a daily basis until the hot weather gets uh, it goes away. Uh, use roof sprinklers if the birds are confined to a coop, or uh, if your coop is hot at night, you can run those sprinklers at night. Try to bring that temperature down, bearing in mind that um, if you put a fan up high in your coop in the, uh, in the eve or uh, up close to the ceiling and circulate there, that air out of the building, that's where the hot air is going to be. So that, that can also uh, help with, uh, with doing that, uh, bringing the temperature down. Um, you add some vitamin C to the drinking water. Um, that will help uh, uh, bring the, the core body temperature of the bird down as well. Um, and um, add additional water space uh, as, it's, as, as needed. You don't want them bunched up at the water when they're all hot. 
And so if the, the more space you have, the better off you're going to be. And last but not least, probably if you take the uh, uh, the yard troublemaker and, and uh, uh, segregate him out from the rest of them where he's getting everybody agitated and they're all clucking and carrying on, um, that's probably going to keep the activity level down, keep the overall bird's body temperature down uh, as well. So, uh, And bear in mind, you only have that small window of opportunity there that's you know, six, seven degrees before birds really start to uh, succumb to the heat. So uh, just bear that in mind. Awesome. That's a lot of good information. That's a, a nice long list for uh, for us to take notes on. Um, we're going to go to commercial break. When I have back, I'll come back. I've got a couple of questions. One was regarding the, the feeding change where um, we would feed early in the morning and, and then uh, withdraw from the feed, maybe an afternoon uh, snack, and then uh, some feed in, in the evening. Uh, my question for that when we come back would be, are we going to see any stress involved uh, that that may affect uh, on, our, on our flock? And then the second question is, could that afternoon snack because I know it's very popular um, with folks that, that keep their chickens as quote-unquote pets uh, regarding frozen watermelon, frozen melon. You know, obviously those have a lot of liquid content in them, um, and, and can, you know, but they do have a lot of content. Based on giving that fresh fruit, the grapes, the watermelon, the cantaloupe, the you know, honeydews, things like that, uh, when we come back we'll get your um, thoughts on giving that, the good and the bad and the ugly, if there is any, regarding do we really know how much water they're getting or is the added sugar with that, even though they are getting water, is, it, is there no problem if you're using that as the afternoon treat and giving them nutritionally feed again in the morning and in the evening, but not having it accessed uh, all day. So we're talking with Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Visit them online and we'll return with more calm, cool, and collected, how to keep your chickens uh, cool in the summer right after this short break. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer here, and I would like to take a moment to tell you all about the great chicken coops over at Woodtex Products. Woodtex Products manufactures, sells, and delivers chicken coops nationwide. They have been in the building business for over 31 years, so they know their stuff. Their chicken coops are built to last and withstand any type of weather. They're portable, durable, stylish, and come in many different sizes. Their chicken coops can be purchased fully assembled or as kits. Check out Woodtex products online at www.woodtex.com and see for yourself what all the clucking is about. Order a chicken coop in April or May and receive $175 in upgrades for free. Remember, that's www.woodtex.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry, 
from rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams. Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. Mount Healthy Hatcheries has been a hatching tradition for over 80 years. Home of the healthiest chicks, Mount Healthy Hatcheries offers a wide selection of bantams, turkeys, guineas, ducks, pheasants, and of course, meat birds and layers. Order online at mounthealthy.com. That's mthealthy.com. Or give them a call at 1-800-451-5603. Don't forget to ask about their free bonus chicks offer. Mount Healthy Hatcheries, home of the healthiest chicks. It's the Chicken Whisperer, here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer guest, uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Dot com. So I had a couple of questions before we went to a break. One was uh, kind of changing their feed regimen regarding uh, kind of taking away the feed after the morning uh, and then uh, bringing it back out to the group in, in the evening. And would we see any signs of, of stress uh, if they're used to having, you know, the food 24-7? And then the second question was uh, instead of the uh, scratch and that, that mid-afternoon kind of snack uh, time, if uh, if we can use the uh, as many people are doing the the frozen watermelon the watermelon the melons the cantaloupe the the honeydews and and things like that and is there any drawback to that based on maybe the the higher sugar content in those um, even though they're full of uh, um, uh, liquid and, and fluid for them because I know it's very popular for them to uh, do that so a couple of questions for you Peter yeah the uh, 
Well, I think if you uh, if you observe a, a flock uh, of birds, most times, um, for instance, I, I'll just use my own here because it's uh, fresh in my mind. Um, you know, when you first go out there in the morning and we open the coop and everything else, um, some of the things that they do immediately is jump down off the roof. Some get water, some get some get feed immediately. No matter how hot, no matter how cold it is, uh, no matter what the conditions are, it's almost the same birds doing the same thing. Um, you know, every, every day, and um, so if you really look at them, for the most part in the morning, um, that's when they eat a tremendous amount of food. Comparatively, they've been you know uh, on the roost uh, for quite a few hours. Uh, most of the feed, if not all the feed, has really gone through them, uh, and they're hungry. So they're going to go out and they're going to grab all they can get, and. Uh, Maybe the earlier they get that feed, the the, the better off they are uh, as they're as they're digesting it. So let's just, for argument, say you open your coop up at six o'clock in the morning. It's it's light out, uh, and they get their fill. And let's say uh, they, you know it's going to take them roughly on average, let's say four hours. So by ten o'clock in the morning, they may be hungry again. Depending on the on the uh, on the temperature at ten o'clock in the morning, uh, they may not be hungry enough. Uh, they may be hungry enough, but they may not want to eat based on the temperature. So really a lot of it, you know, whether whether they're going to eat or not uh, is going to be based on, um, uh, on, on those factors. The, the other thing uh, I, that, that comes into play, you know, um, how much room do they have to get away from each other? Uh, I, I deal with a lot of folks who have very, very limited space. The birds are tight. Uh, even at night they're, they're uh, feather to feather on the roost, whether they like it or not. Uh, there's no place for everybody to get away from everybody, and then when they put them out in their run, the run is so small that, um, you know, lots of times there's a lot of uh, fighting goes on and, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, here we have a, a very large area for a, a very small amount of birds to uh, go out into and kind of get lost in their own little world. And um, so we don't have that problem. So, uh, uh, But I have observed them, uh, and they really just... Don't come back and 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 eat that much. They come back, get a little snack, and go off. And uh, most of they spend most of their time sitting and preening and just in, enjoying uh, their little corner of the world where they are. So a lot a lot of it depends on um, you know if, if you the, the type of birds you have. If you have birds that are in production for egg production, they may look to eat more because their body's telling them they need it. Got to have it. Uh, if you're raising birds for for uh, meat purposes. Uh, they're probably going to fall into that same category. They're eating machines. That's what they do. Uh, and uh, so you, you, know, you might have to uh, adjust that and uh, try to make sure that they get a good feeding in the morning and then get a good feeding again uh, in the evening and, and kind of restrict them to date. Will there be some stress? Maybe so. And you'll have to manage that. It's not a, uh, a thing where uh, you're going to just pull up all the feeders and everything else and, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, each one fend for themselves. Um, they're going. They're going to want to drink, you know, the, the water. I think if you are, have the, the the proper amount of water space, and you have a water that's not hot, I think that they're going to go for that water before they're going to go to the feed most of the time. Uh, there's exceptions to every rule. That's why you have to you know, kind of qualify it and quantify it a little bit. That uh, every bird is not the same. Um, you know. Like I said here before on the show, I've got one little bird out there that every day she just wants to jump in the feed bin no matter what you do. 
and you have to be careful not to, not to put the lid back down with her in there, you know. And uh, th- there's plenty of space for her to go. Believe me, there is. There's nobody going to push her away from a feeder. There's plenty of feed space there, but she just thinks there's better feed in the, in the can. And uh, you know, it's like a 30-gallon galvanized garbage can. But um, so all of them are different. They all have their own little personalities. But do the best you can to to limit that because what you're trying to do is you're trying to limit that body heat. And I would only do this during the you know when the, when the temperatures start. You know, you know, there's going to be 90 plus temperatures outside. I don't think it's something you're going to have to do at 85 degrees uh, if the birds are outside, um, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, because once you get into that panting mode, uh, they are losing water at an inordinate rate. They're also losing a tremendous amount of uh, electrolytes, okay? Um, you know, all, all of the different ones, the, the sodium, the potassium, the magnesium, uh, all of these, they're, they're all going out, out the mouth because it's losing uh, the, 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 as the bird pants, it's trying to bring its body temperature down. But the funny part about it, the more it pants, the, hot, the hotter the bird actually gets. So it's really struggling at that point. And that's what the point I was trying to make before. So I'm trying to make it a little bit clearer now. And you get a, a change in the pH of, of, the, uh, of the blood of the bird at the same time, okay, uh, because of this panting that forces them to lose more electrolytes through their urine. So, you know, what you're trying to do is you're trying to prevent that heat loss through that panting situation. And, uh, you know, whether it's get the garden hose out and just stand there and, and, and if you've got the time and, and hold it up in the air and, and let it go. I, ours don't like it when you do that. Ours get irritated. Because um, I've tried it. I've played around with a few things. They, 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 this flock here, I kind of use them as a, as a test flock for certain things, and and uh, they just don't like water sprayed over top of them. They don't like it one bit, and that may be just because they're not used to it. Um, uh, and then yet I've got a couple of birds that will just stand right outside in the rain, pouring rain, but you, you wouldn't want to stay outside in it yourself with a raincoat on. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is in the coop. You've got two knuckleheads outside just standing there in the rain like they just don't know what to do. So, again, it goes back to, you know, them all being different, but this, this pH change um, uh, will, will uh, you know, um, uh, decrease the amount of feed that they eat. It will force them to, to stop eating, and then you get into this, uh, this electrolyte loss at the same time, and then you, you've got some real issues on your hands there. So I just want to go back over that because it is a big deal. Uh, it, it is a big deal. So you kind of have to play it, play it by ear. Maybe you're better off uh, to to put some scratch out that doesn't have a whole lot of corn in it, and uh, put a little bit out, a uh, small amount, and let them let them be you know satiated on that as best they can, and then uh, just keep the water in front of them all the time. Uh, but whatever works for your flock. It's kind of one of those things where it's a little bit of trial and error. And, uh, the, you know, the list of things that I that I. Uh, uh, gave before the break, uh, you know, some things there people can't do. Some things there people won't do. Some things there people can't afford to do, and I get all of it. I understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember but, uh, I remember years ago um, living here in, in Georgia, it gets quite hot in the summertime, um, wanting to do the vitamins and electrolytes, and I went to uh, uh, my local uh, feed and seed store, farm store, and there's a bag of electrolytes there, vitamins, electrolytes, and it wasn't much. It was three ninety five, four fifty, something like that. So I pick it up and add it to whatever else I was buying, maybe some feed, whatever. 
and I, I get home. I'm like, okay, let's see what we're going to do here. And I flip the bag over, and, and I, I kid you not, it said something like, uh, mix entire con- uh, contents of bag into 400-gallon water trough. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> great day, 400-gallon water trough. This is not happening. So, so I had to sit down and, and, and become a uh, mathematician to figure out exactly what I needed to do. And it took me quite a while, but I, I finally figured out. I can't remember now exactly what I did, but I mixed that packet into a one-gallon jug and filled it with water and then figured out how many ounces of that I needed to add to my five-gallon waterer. And so it was, and I, I hear that a lot. I'm like, well, I just bought this stuff, and it says mixing, you know, 600 gallons of water. Uh, and, and deliver it through, you know, whatever system I'm going to deliver it through to my tickets. So I said, yeah, no, that's that's a big problem. So um, uh, and I'm segueing into this as far as uh, the product that, that you carry, Peter, a vitamin electrolyte um, that you can tell us about and tell us the cost so they can compare. But um, the fact that okay. yours comes with, <laughs> which is priceless, and it would have been priceless for me way back when, uh, of how to mix that, Appropriate, because I still don't know what I mixed back then was right or not. It was my, it was just a, uh, my my becoming a mathematician there for a few minutes trying <laughs> to figure out what I needed to do, and I still don't know if it was right or not, but it seemed to work, um, and uh, at least worked for me anyway. And uh, so, so kind of tell us about the the product you have for that, and specifically, folks, that it comes with exact directions on how to make it for your flock. Yeah, and you know we we've always prided ourselves on, on the fact that we we do have the directions for everything and everything that we sell, and um, uh, you know when you buy a product from us, you you get those directions. Uh, you don't get directions for everything we sell. You get the directions for the things that that you buy, and um, some of the products like the Vitapro B that we have is a very powerful, uh, well fortified uh, vitamin electrolyte compound. Contains a probiotic. Um, and it's so concentrated that the directions read a quarter of a teaspoon per gallon of water is all you need. Um, we also wow. and that runs 9.95 for a four ounce uh, uh, jar, and uh, you know all people need to do is ask around for people that have used it and that keep coming back and, and purchasing it again because it's it's good stuff and it works and it's uh, they see an improvement in, in their birds. Uh, we also sell Vital for about 4.50 and uh, it's not as concentrated. Uh, not as quite as good a product, not a bad product, or I wouldn't sell it. But it too uh, is a quarter of a teaspoon per gallon of water. Um, going back to to the to the um, uh, the situation that that you encountered, one of the ways one of the ways that that folks can, you know, let's let's say you're in a pinch. You go down to the store and you grab a. a, a you say, oh, great! They have vitamins, electrolytes. You pick it up and you read the back of it and it says, take this package and put it in 128 gallons of water. You say, well, I could use 128 gallons of water all year probably. You know, <laughs> and uh, so the best way to do that, and the easiest way to do it, and you don't have to be a mathematician then, is you take that and put it into one gallon of water, which would be 128 ounces, and then take one ounce of that solution, called a stock solution, to a gallon of water, and you're right on target. So there's That's a lot of ways. That's pretty much... Doing, yeah. Yep, yep. yeah. You, you could have done yours. You could have, if you had a scale, you could have weighed it out to, I don't know how many ounces were in the thing, but I understand what you're saying. And you, you could have taken that and divided it by four and then put it into the appropriate amount of, of water, uh, you know, uh, 100 ounces of water, let's say. And, you know, and you know, you don't have to go through the whole bag and everything else. But it's a lot easier to, to do it the way we do it. And uh, it's all been tried and true, and, and it works. And, uh, 
again, ha- having the directions, I mean, it, it, to me it's criminal if you have to buy something and have to call around and, or go on the Internet and find out how to use it. Uh, we don't do that here. Um, if you buy it from me, if you don't understand the directions, all you do is pick up the phone or, or send me an email, say, hey, I don't, I don't understand it, and uh, can you, you know, can you explain it? If I can't explain it to you in email, you're going to get a personal call, and we're going to talk about it. Um, but generally, the, the, the directions are, are uh, succinct enough that most people uh, don't have uh, uh, any questions, uh, you know, about it. But um, uh, like I said, we, you know, we, we have it all worked out here, and, and uh, have had for quite some years. And they come on a separate sheet of paper, um, and that piece of paper. Uh, we'll tell you it's it's a company logo at the top, and it'll say right on that paper directions for use on poultry, and then under that, uh, in uh, great big type, so you don't have to get a magnifying glass out. Uh, and then lots of times the real important parts, if it's important where a person could make a mistake, um, or for, for whatever reason, then that is highlighted in a separate color, red or or green or or or, or whatever. Uh, yellow, I use red and yellow a lot. And so that that's to get your attention and make you read read that part of it, uh, to, you know, so that you can uh, understand that that happens to be a important part, uh, you know, of of these directions and be careful when you read it. So, um, you know, that that's what we do. That's what we're about as far as those things are concerned. Um, these um, uh, the days and the, and the months coming, I'm sure we're going to have plenty of of, of, of uh, nasty weather. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you just have to adjust to it. And being prepared for it is, is, uh, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, paramount to being successful and not having any mortality, uh, you know, with your birds that uh, uh, are heat-related or cold-related. Shouldn't come either way. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, we we got by very well this uh, this this winter with uh, uh, a. Uh, we use the, the Swedish heaters now on top of the on top of the roost, and you know we're, we're very happy with those. And uh, on the on the back side of this coop is an area that uh, we've got four outdoor cats, and they've got a big 40-inch uh, uh, Swedish heater in, in there for them uh, in, in the winter time. Mm-hmm. we just don't heat the whole thing. We just don't. Let me ask you. I'll I'll wrap it up here with the question you talked about, and we've mentioned before um, uh, adding a like the box fan for for 18 bucks at, at Wally World. And, Mm-hmm. Placing that in your coop and, and circulating that air, and you talked about keeping it towards the top where the heat, hot air is going to be, and getting that circulated out of, of the coop. Um, would the same principle be like in the winter? We talk about you know good ventilation is key, but no drafts, and, and, and there is a difference. We talk about if you go into the coop after dark, your chickens are on the roost, you see their feathers moving because of wind. That is a, a draft, not good circulation. So in, in the summer months. Uh, would that same principle be key? Like, we, we, we want good ventilation, we want that hot air out, we want the fresh air in, we do want air movement, but we probably don't want to place that plan fan at the end of the roost where it's continually blowing on them while they're there either overnight or, or maybe during the day. Yeah, I wouldn't want that either. I, I mean, I, 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 the air will be its coolest where it first starts. Mm-hmm. And so the first bird or two in a row is actually going to get a chilling effect from it, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. And uh, no, I would I would suggest that not be done. And not only that, uh, blowing directly on the birds. I mean, if outside during the day when you're trying to bring body temperatures down, uh, yeah, you know, you know, I, you know and you, and they're not going to stand right in front of it. The majority of them anyway. I've never seen any mm-hmm. of them do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll 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 come by it, but they won't get that close to it. Um, what I've seen them do. Um, here and and when I've had other birds, 
is they'll come up to it within a, a reasonable distance, and then they'll drop their wings out and, and cool down that way. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's just a matter of moving air. That's why I used that terminology before. Uh, you, you don't want it blowing on them just like you don't want it blowing on them, uh, you know, in, in the wintertime. You, you want to move air so it's not stagnant, so we don't get ammonia burn. Uh, and ammonia burn, you know, uh, can, can happen either way. I mean, it, it can happen, uh, you know, in the respiratory system. You can get birds uh, uh, who can uh, actually get irritation of the, uh, uh, of the trachea and, 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 and the mouth uh, and so on. Uh, certainly the eyes they can go blind from it so there's a whole lot of things you want to you know you want to keep these things under control um, you don't want a lot of ammonia in your in your your, your chicken coop and even in the wintertime heat's going to rise cold air is going to fall and um, we just don't want to keep a, a, a fan blowing on them winter uh, you know or summer hours hours uh, at the moment we have it so that it, it sucks air up and over the top and back down it doesn't blow on the birds at all. All we're doing is pulling air from the bottom of the of the coop floor, right center of the coop. We're pulling it, and it's it, the and you can you can put some paper around. You can watch it. It will pull air from the, the walls to the center, up through the top, and back out again. And that's the way we've got it. You know, that's the way we've got it set up. Then I've got another high speed fan uh, that's actually an exhaust fan that would be used in a uh, in a commercial kitchen that has multiple speeds on it. And uh, that's in the side wall for, you know, as it gets, you know, really, really hot, and we want to bring the temperature down uh, prior to turning on air conditioning and things of that nature. Uh, but last year we only used the air conditioner once, and um, you know, just by using these these techniques uh, of moving the air around, and uh, you know, look, you got to go out and check on them. You just can't flip the fan on and walk away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we we don't do that, you know. Let me ask you this last thing, and, and, and we will wrap it up because I think it's pertinent. For all of us that are poop inspectors, because we know that is so important, and, and we may realize, if not, they realize now that uh, they're consuming more water in the summer, so they may have a much watery poop in, in the summer. And so for us that are poop inspectors, what I guess we just have to look that much closer. Yeah, we'll, we'll expect some more watery uh, poops, but is there, I guess we to determine, oh, this, this may be different than just the, the regular, you know, because they're drinking so much water. I guess look for other symptoms even more so now in the summer because their poop may be watery where at other times of the year, oh, we've got some, some diarrhea or poop, you know, watery poop going on. I need to, you know, what other symptoms are there? But I guess it's important to let folks know that their poop will be in a little bit more water when you first see it. You need to, you know, maybe think, okay, they're drinking more water at summertime, so their poop may be a little bit more watery. But then, of course, if you, uh, you're looking for other symptoms, if you think there may be an issue going on other than just drinking more water in the summertime. Yeah, and, you know, you, you can correlate all of that by, again, uh, you know, we use the term uh, becoming a poop inspector. Uh, mm-hmm. And as you, as you look at that and you, you, you correlate the, the uh, looser dropping uh, with the increase in, in, in temperature outside and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, less feed being consumed and, and uh, more water being consumed. But you also then want to look, you know, uh, is there blood in the droppings? Are there worm eggs? Are there active worms in the droppings? Uh, are the birds lethargic, not just from the heat, but from maybe something else? And that might be a, a trigger for you to, uh, uh, you know, to take further steps. And, and I, I urge people to continually handle your birds, know your birds, know them inside and out, um, 
you know, we don't have a large flock here, but we know when something isn't right, and, uh, mm-hmm. and we can stay on top of it, uh, for, you know, for the for the most part. And like I say, we really do not medicate our birds here at all, unless there's a, a, an issue that crops up on an individual bird basis. Uh, they're they're healthy. They're outside every day. Um, they they eat well. They drink well, and you know that's the that's the basis for for moving forward, you know, with a healthy flock. And, um, you know, I, I can't emphasize that en- enough for people. One quick qu- uh, answer to a question we didn't get to, and that's the watermelon and all that other stuff. Uh, I don't have a problem with them eating it, especially if it's cold. You're, 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 you're trying to bring that body temperature down. It's another methodology to get water into them. Uh, I wouldn't worry about the sugar. It's a, it's a short energy burst. Um, and, and they may be needing it at that point, okay? I would just... Um, uh, make sure that you know that they consumed uh, some of the regular feed. We don't want to get into bad habits where they hang out and wait on the scratch and they wait on the mm-hmm. on the watermelon and the other things. And then when it doesn't come, you know, uh, they're thrown into another crisis situation of not having enough uh, nutrients from their their whole feed. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of treats. We don't give treats mm-hmm. here on any regular basis whatsoever. Um, you know, maybe some some uh, watermelon uh, after we've cut. You know. Out what we want out of it, we put the rind out there, let them consume uh, most of it, then pick it up and you know, and then toss it. But uh, other than that, they don't get a whole lot of, uh, of extra uh, type of stuff. Um, like I said, they eat well and, and they, they they are well. And uh, closed flock, high biosecurity, nobody gets in here uh, and, and at all. Period. Uh, when we leave, the gate's locked, and that's it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a necessary evil these days. And you know, we have kids in the neighborhood. You can't see my my chickens because I've used stockade fencing. I don't want you to see them. I'm not interested in you seeing. Them. I don't want you to come over and ask me questions about it. Not interested. And that's the way it should be. And um, you know, that's just my take on it. But righty. Well, hey man, great episode. A very timely episode. Um, talking about uh, again keeping your chickens calm, cool, and and collected uh, during the summer months and. Uh, touched on a lot of things that people can do, like you said, that may be uh, completely free for them in their backyard, and um, so which is always important with everybody's budget. So, Peter, thank you very much for, again, another great episode, very timely, as we uh, start to get these hot days uh, um, in, our, in, in our area, and uh, keeping our backyard uh, chickens uh, happy and healthy, and that's what this show is all about. So, again, thank you uh, for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. My pleasure. Glad to do it. All right, thanks. We'll talk to you soon. That's Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Check them out online. They don't have it. You don't need it. And um, check out that that, uh, vitamin electrolyte uh, product that they have, again, that comes with the directions of exactly how to mix it for your backyard uh, backyard flock. We'll have some more uh, when we return, especially about this May-June chicken coop contest we've got going on. $1,500 value. Have you entered the contest yet? It's an awesome chicken coop. You're going to love it. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. 
Hand savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. All right, thank you very much for staying with us. We are in the middle of an awesome chicken coop contest. In fact, it is the May Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest, which has been extended to and through June uh, due to we had about 10 days where we were really focused on the salmonella outbreak and uh, trying to get the most uh, accurate and uh, reliable and, and uh, newest information out there to everybody. So we thought it would be pretty unprofessional to say, hey, here's, here's something you want to be aware about. Uh, you want to, you know, take precautions. You want to, you know, here's the information you need. And then, oh, by the way, here you can go to Coop Pat Siding. <laughs> so we took about 10 days off from that. So we have extended that through the month of June. I'm going to tell you right now how to enter the May slash June Ultimate Chicken Coop Contest brought to you by Curtis Coops. And, um, and yard barns. We're going to tell you exactly how to do that right now. If you haven't already, you need to enter this ultimate chicken coop contest. And let me say it is the ultimate $1,500 value at this point. It includes free shipping directly to your front door. To enter, send an email with your name, shipping address, and phone number to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Again, that is contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Okay? Please put Coop Contest in the subject line of the email. So when you're filling out your email, there's a little subject line there, Coop Contest. Of course, in the email itself, like we just said, name, shipping address, and phone number. And again, you're going to send that to contest at chickenwhisperer.com. Only one entry per person per email address. Uh, if you enter more than once, you will be disqualified. The prize is shipped to the lower 48 states only. But hey, if you live in Canada, you can still enter. Just find a place on the border to ship your prizes, come across the border, pick them up, and then head on back home. If you live in Europe and want to enter, you can enter. That's fine. Row the boat right on over here to a border state, maybe North Carolina, maybe Savannah, maybe South Carolina. Just row your boat on over. Pick up that chicken coop. Any other prizes we may add to this contest? And then row right back. Not a big deal, right? So you can enter no matter where you live, 
but the prizes are only going to be shipped to the lower 48 states. If you can make accommodations to pick them up somewhere along the border, then you're more than welcome to. The contest did start at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, May 4, 2014. It will end at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, June 26. The winner will be chosen by random drawing and will be notified via email and telephone on Friday, June 27. We'll also try to call them live on this show on Friday, June 27. That's always a fun time if they pick up and we can surprise them with their winnings. No purchase is necessary to enter, and the contest is not associated with Facebook in any way. Why would you want to be associated with Facebook in any way? They think that they uh, have the right to control who sees your posts. and Oh, they don't need to see that, even though they liked your page. Yeah, not real happy with Facebook. Um, I'm glad I'm not just a Facebook page. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, if it was all about Facebook fans, that would be one thing. But since I'm not just a Facebook page, you know, we've got the magazine publication. We've got the book. We've got the spokesperson roles. We've got the national tour. We've got the webinars. We've got the seminars. Facebook is just a small portal uh, of the Chicken Whisperer um, information uh, that we try to get out there and, and promote backyard poultry and keeping poultry the, the right way the first time without having to reinvent the wheel. But hey, enter this ultimate coop contest. We do. People do win. <laughs> they post pictures of their coop being delivered, setting it up in their backyard uh, after they win. Just uh, scroll down. You'll see it. And uh, people do win this. And all your information is destroyed. The day after the winner is announced, I go in and I delete everything. I don't keep it for any purpose whatsoever. I don't sell it. I don't use it for even my own marketing. None of that. It is deleted. Goodbye. And never, ever, ever see it again. Delete. That is it. That is my promise to you. So no worries there. Hey, if you want to subscribe to Chicken Whisperer Magazine, uh, the summer issue is going to be coming out in the next seven to ten days. It's going to be awesome. You can subscribe to the free. That's how important it is to get this information out to you. Free. It doesn't get any better than that. You can subscribe to the digital edition for free. It is the exact same as the print. You see every ad, every page, every article, everything from cover to cover. Okay, But it is free. Go to chickenwhisperer.com, and uh, you can see how to uh, register and subscribe for that free. If you like to have a physical magazine in your mailbox that you can sit in your easy chair and watch and, and read while you're hanging out, great, $9.95 per year. Pretty, pretty reasonable if you ask me. And um, so that will be it. You can do that as well. That's perfectly fine. But the key here, we want the information out there. Okay. When you see the team of contributors that are writing these articles, you may not like what's in the article, but you're going to have a hard time challenging the information. Fact-based, study-based, science-based information. Not I've kept chickens for two years and here's what I'm recommending doing. This is good educational. So uh, yeah, subscribe for free. Got to love it. And uh, tune in here. Monday through Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when we not only talk about chickens, but we talk about sustainable living and awesome cooking and essential oils and, and uh, gardening and the whole nine yards. It's really kind of a uh, all about chickens and sustainable lifestyle show here. And uh, we thank you for joining us uh, today. And hopefully you have uh, registered to win that awesome chicken coop that we'll be giving away at the end of June. Got to love it. All right, folks, again, thank you very much. Thanks to Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, for joining us today and teaching about how we can keep our chickens calm, cool, and collected. If you missed any part of the show, you tuned in halfway through or late, no worries. 
In a matter of moments, this show will be archived for your listening pleasure forever. You can listen to the entire episode from beginning to end for free. iTunes.com, Podcast.com, Zoom.com. Uh, there's many others that uh, that carry the show. Uh, and, of course, right here at blogtalkradio.com. You can listen to the entire show for free. All right, we'll see you tomorrow right here at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio. God bless, everybody. <laughs> Thank you.